0: Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H brighton.org. Thank you all for uh, being here for this opportunity. I especially thank the guests that, that are with us this morning, and want to put a Special qualification out there, you know, this could go quite poorly, and I hope you will uh, not judge it based on give us a sample size of one, right? I'm not gonna do this regularly. And if you're a member and this goes poorly, uh, too bad. You've already committed to this church, and you have to love me anyway. Um, Let me start a timer on this. this past week at Community Group, we were discussing whether or not to read the entire long passage of Scripture. We had to discuss there, and I brought up, like, we, you know, we could go ahead and read it all, because that'll just save us a couple minutes of me talking. And uh, Megan said something like, why stop at the end of the chapter? Just keep going, right? So uh, I really do appreciate it. And many of you knew that this was coming, and you've been praying for me, and I, it means a lot. And I ask that you continue to do so even now. Genesis 27. I like to begin uh, when I'm teaching the Bible or otherwise with a promise. My promise to you, my commitment to you is that this morning, by the time we're done, uh, you'll leave here having seen, I hope, having seen that your deepest needs, some of your deepest desires and longings, expectations and hope that you seek so hard after that they have already been provided and fulfilled and given to you in and through Jesus Christ. Okay, that's all I hope you'll see out of this passage in Genesis 27. We're continuing our series here. If you're not familiar at this church, we just kind of pick books of the Bible. And then after that, we try to let, you know, we have to go where it takes us. And we wanna try to prioritize God's ideas and what he has to say over us. And now in this passage, we just read the, the whole thing and whether or not it's familiar to you, I suspect you're like how I used to feel. It seems confusing. And it's like, well, I kind of think I track what happened, but it seems very unrelatable. What is this about? Why so many words about this? Now, I had that impression for a long time, especially when I was uh, 16, someone persuaded me to start reading the Bible And I had just heard that there were these books called the gospels that were kind of like biographies about Jesus. So I thought that would be a good place to start. So I started with those, I read those. And then after that, I I mean, I had had no clue where to go next. So I just went to the beginning. I just started over at the beginning and I've just page after page, what on earth is going on? Who are these people? And like my parents had taken me to church, you know, growing up a good bit, but it's amazing how little you can get and hear if you do not care. I had never heard of Abraham before. I had never heard of Isaac, never heard of Jacob. And I was confused. And there's a lot of reasons why I was so confused, but there's one central reason. And that's going to be the focus, I hope, of how we look at this chapter today. And the central point, the thing that corrected, I'd been a Christian for probably about 10 years. We had our daughter, Piper, and we read almost every night to her out of it, out of this other book. And it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. The subtitle of that book is Every Story Whispers His Name. And as a 20-something year old, I'm reading her, retelling, paraphrasing these Old Testament stories and my eyes are growing huge of how could I have missed it? That all these stories, all these accounts, they had been orchestrated by God decided and written down for us to give us pictures of ourselves and of him and supremely how he wants to relate to us through Jesus Christ. And seeing that that core insight, it didn't answer all my questions. I still have tons of questions about the Bible. I still have unanswered questions about this chapter before us right now. But with that insight, I realized as I went to text after text, it was much easier to see the main point. What was the main point? And these other questions I have are more secondary. So if you ever wanna know what is, you know, what is this chapter about? The, the one word answer almost always is more or less Jesus. This chapter, Genesis 27 is about Jesus. If you want three words, it's Jesus and us. It's about Jesus and us. And that's what I'm hoping to, to show to you this, this morning, right? In Genesis 27, we will see how this illustrates to us Something about who we are, what some of our deepest longings and needs are. And they'll give us pictures, hints, pointers, and often it's counterexamples or anticipation building for what God will do to meet them. And for us looking back, what he has already done. So to see that, to see what we need to see in Genesis 27, I wish this was higher. We've got to see two things, right? right? We've got to know what is this blessing? What is that? Okay, and the second is why, why do they want it so much? Why does Jacob want this blessing so much? Those are two things we're going to see to unpack what this has for us. It's all about a blessing. That's the fuss in Genesis 27. You saw it, that Isaac gives Esau these instructions, these tasks go due. Why? Verse five, so that Isaac may bless him before he dies. Rebecca overhears this. Right, she creates this plan. She wants to get that blessing for Jacob. She has an elaborate plan because she is concerned of where that blessing goes. She wants it to go to Jacob. Jacob's clear. He understands what the point is. He barges in, having fulfilled the plan. He says, "Isaac, Dad, sit up, please, urgently." He says, "Please bless me. Eat this, so you can bless me." When Isaac goes on to to bless him, twenty three and twenty seven. Then Isaac, here's some of the big insights of how important this is. Isaac realizes he's blessed Jacob and not Esau. And it says he trembled violently. Trembled, that word in Hebrew, it's very, he was filled with anxiety and fear over what he had done. And then verse Uh, 35, right? Esau. Esau finds out what happens that Jacob got this blessing and not him. And he cried out with exceedingly great and bitter cry. Bitter. It's a word of anger. You don't need to know Hebrew to know that because he goes on to create a plan. It says he hates Jacob and he plans to murder him over it, over a blessing. What is all this scheming and all these feuds about because of blessing? It's a key theme in the Bible, but when that word in English, right, we don't obviously use it the same way at all. I was thinking, how do, where do I hear that word blessing used? I could think of two examples. So obviously the first one is after we sneeze, okay? I was uh, just on a call on Friday, virtual call, and thankfully I was able to mute myself really quick, but my video was on and I had a big sneeze uh, and my phone started buzzing, right? And my different teammates of mine had texted me, oh, bless you, God bless you. Right. I said, that's perfect. I'm, I've got to preach on this on Sunday. I'll be able to refer to this. That's great. Um, no, that, you know, but it doesn't carry any weight to it, right? You don't, you don't hear someone sneeze and others kind of like get ready to try to like jump, jump in the way to steal the blessing that's coming from someone. Now, the second way that we hear this, I've heard this phrase used, blessing, uh, is particularly familiar to anyone here like me who's from the South, what is this other phrase? Anybody know what it is? Bless, heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Now, if, if you're not familiar with this phrase, uh, let me just help you understand that if you hear it, you can be certain that what comes next is not a blessing. It will not be a blessing. Bless his heart. He is dumber than a sack of bricks, all right? It's not a blessing. That is not at all what's going on here. So what, what is it? I'll point out to you about the four characteristics of a blessing as you see this used over and over again in the Old Testament, four main things. One is almost always there's some kind of material well being promised, okay? And in, in chapter 27, we see that uh, the blessing that Isaac ends up giving Jacob includes in it verse 28. He says, may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Hey, there's almost always this material piece to it. Now, there's lots of important questions about wealth in the Bible. Uh, and I'm happy to talk with you about those another time if you have them too. But just as you read this, make sure you see that when we think of being blessed materially, we think in terms of luxury, typically. We think of that ski-in, ski-out cabin and yachts and stuff like that. You have to remember, even if you were super wealthy here, like eating next year was not guaranteed, Okay. Creation is trying to kill us at every corner, okay? Thousands of years, humans have just gotten pretty good at like mitigating it, where we take it from granted. It's our bias in this culture to miss the point here that what's being promised usually is some kind of like security, freedom, like being able to worry about something other than just when your family's gonna eat next. Okay, so safety and security is the main emphasis when you hear these kinds of blessings. Secondly, material well being but also there's a there's this aspect of responsibility that's being bestowed on somebody else right especially this is clear when you think of the the blessing of the firstborn right that person uh, almost always was going to have like a double inheritance uh, materially but also they they kind of took on a title and a, a place of, of we think in terms of privilege and honor, and that's certainly true, but we can also blend some stuff from our culture too, to think of power where you read this idea that, um, in verse 29, that he's gonna be Lord over the brothers and that your mother's sons will bow down to you. And we like to think in terms of power. You don't see again, that these are like, especially within Abraham-Isaac, like these are like little city states. They're almost like little mini kings. Okay, and they have the responsibility for the well-being of the of the people, right? To help bring cooperation, right? To survive all the things that are trying to kill you all the time, including other little city states. Okay, so this blessing is, yes, definitely privilege, and honor and respect, but of responsibility, of double responsibility. So that's a big part of what a blessing is. Thirdly, blessings are a kind of like a promise or a covenant. They, they're not the same thing, but they overlap a lot. And you see it here, these kind of contractual elements of what was said when, when Isaac realizes, oh, I blessed Jacob and I'm, I meant to bless Esau. And Esau's like, well, well, just take it back. You have a blessing to me too, right? So my unanswered questions are here, by the way, uh, and it would help some, but, but the, the simple point is you see that there's a sense in which no, it, the, the deed has been done I said the words, I made the promise. And there's some sense of obligation now here. There is the words themselves enact something. So there's just, the, I was just saying the, the, the line between a blessing and a promise and a covenant is, is just kind of blurry. And that's what, part of what you're seeing here. Now, one more aspect of what, a, what is a blessing and it's the most important one. It's the most important one, uh, I think, in in chapter 27. And you can start to see it right from the start because Isaac wants to bless Esau. Come to me, my son. Here I am. He said, behold, I'm old. And I wanna bless you before I die. So boom, and he launches in, he blesses him. Why doesn't he do that? He doesn't do that. He says, what I want you to do, I want you to go hunt some game and I want you to prepare a meal for me, okay? A meal that I love. And I'm going to eat it. Well, you have to remember, uh, very important for us in this chapter is in chapter 25, verse 27, it says that when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Esau was this more outdoorsman, you know, had these, you know, cliche, more masculine qualities. And apparently Isaac preferred that. Isaac uh, enjoyed that. And he says, go do those things. Go live out those things that when you do them and I see them, they pull something out of me. They pull out that affection and that appreciation that I have for you. The key words here, in 27, it says three times, it says, that my soul may bless you. My soul, all of me, my life may bless you. Friends, the most important aspect of a blessing is that, a, is to think of a blessing, it is a declaration of appreciation from the heart for someone from someone that matters. Okay, that blessing is an overflow of appreciation for someone put into words to someone else from someone that matters. That's what Isaac is uh, wanting to do for Esau to sincerely feel again, the reasons why I'm so proud that he's my son. And out of that, that, that's where the real blessing comes from. Okay. Now we may not call that someone blessing us, but we can think of things like that that we would want, right? I, I can think of people like that I'd want in my life, right? You can, Maybe some of you work at these big companies and there's uh, some, some famous and well-respected executives there and they've worked really hard to get there and everyone thinks they're super talented and loves their character. And maybe even one of them, you know, kind of came up a path like you. They had your job at some point and you just imagine what it would mean to you if they unexpectedly stopped by your office You didn't even know they knew who you were, right? You've never talked before. And they they said, hey, hey, I keep seeing this excellent work all all over the company. And I keep hearing your name associated with it. And I just, you know, I even, I just watched a recording of a presentation you did recently and wow, I mean, wow. Like you are going somewhere, keep it up. I'm gonna keep my eye on you or maybe you're whatever an academic or you're an artist of some kind and you can think of that world renowned person in your field, your discipline and they they come to one of your papers, right? And they hear you present or they come to one of your performances and they watch you and as soon as you're done, they make a beeline for you and they go that's incredible. That's incredible. You are going to take my spot one day. And I'm glad to know that. I'm glad to know you. That's a blessing. The words themselves almost have a, have a power to them. And it comes from who they are, who this person is and the sincerity in their voice. And that's a huge aspect of what these brothers are fighting over. So why does Jacob want this blessing? It should be a little bit implicit from what we just said, but let's make it explicit, right? Because it would be easy, be really easy to say, well, Jacob wants this blessing <laughs> because he's a cheat. He's selfish. That's what his, his name means, right? His name literally means to grab by the heel, and apparently it's some kind of idiom. For he's a cheater, right? I'm willing to pull someone backwards, so get me forward. Okay? It'd be really easy to say he wants this because of that material well being. He wants that privilege of the firstborn and the status. But that would be way too simplistic to say that, right? Um, they're twins. Jacob and Nisar are twins. Yeah, he was the firstborn, but come on. And it says from the beginning that Esau was preferred. Isaac loved Esau. And then even after, one, Rebecca has this word from the Lord in chapter 25 that apparently that the the older is gonna serve the younger. And you get this idea that this blessing, this this special line of Abraham to Isaac, not Ishmael, Isaac, it's gonna go to not Esau, it's gonna go to Jacob. That's the idea already. And presumably Rebecca told Isaac that. Even if she hadn't, Jacob has already stolen this birthright. It's referred to already in our our reading. He stole this birthright from Esau. Yeah, Esau's the firstborn, but in a moment of weakness, Jacob kind of, you know, say you've tricked him or what, but he's able to get him to sell it to him. Now, you don't exactly like that Jacob did that. You don't think he deserves this kind of inheritance or special blessing or something like that, but neither do you Esau, right? Esau doesn't come off any more deserving in any of this, right? You want to, I don't know, not prefer one over the other, but Isaac does. Isaac prefers one over the other. And it tells us that they're in their forties. That's the end of chapter 26. They're in their forties. So Jacob for decades, for decades has watched his dad prefer his brother, and now his dad's coming in and it's almost like to nullify what happened. But I'm going to give this blessing to Esau. Look at what he says. Oh, your brothers will bow down and serve you. Esau, well, that's, that's what God said was going to happen for Jacob, right? That's implicit in this idea that Jacob gets the birthright and Isaac won't accept it. Isaac still trying to say, no, Esau, Esau, I love Esau. So you can imagine now that perspective for Jacob. Is he just a cheat? He just wants materially blessed? Or is he long for the recognition from his dad that he's seen being given to his brother for years? Okay, now, most of these chapters, you will, as you read about Jacob, we're gonna continue to, he's gonna do things that you dislike. It'll be easy to chalk, you know, just dismiss, but here you feel... And you will later too, like you also feel bad for him. And that like, it doesn't justify his sin in any way. And that's part of like the point, that's part of this picture that's being painted where the Bible doesn't have this simplistic idea that well, bad things are happening to you and you either deserve it. So I don't, I don't feel bad, I don't pity you at all, or bad things are happening to you and you don't deserve it. So I, I do pity you, I do feel bad, right? That kind of either or is you do not see, in the scriptures at all. Genesis three to the end, just look in here. It's not just Jacob, look at Rebecca, right? Deceiving her husband. She prefers one of her boys over the other, herself. And yet this this scheme, this lying about who somebody else is, where, where might she have had that modeled for her in the previous chapter when her husband just did that to her? Her husband just lied about who she was because he was taking matters into his own hands. So you have this both and feeling of Rebecca and Esau, well, we feel bad for him. Look at, he keeps getting the short end of his stick, but then look how he handles that. Well, I'm just gonna murder my brother. Okay, I feel a less bad for you, right? It's just like, it's both and. Look at Isaac. Isaac's situation, his is a little more complicated. Okay, you can say, well, what a jerk. Who prefers one kid over the other? that's easy to say. What would people say about you and your desires, your feelings, your attitudes? You can imagine, I'm taking some liberties here, right? But you can imagine Isaac saying, didn't God make me this way? Didn't God make Esau that way in this connection that we have? So yeah, maybe I shouldn't feel this way. I mean, I wish I wouldn't, but I've tried to change. Doesn't God want me to live a fulfilled life? Doesn't God want me to express this love for my son? in the way that seems good to me. So it's easy to say, well, just don't be a jerk and prefer one son over the other, right? Well, it's not really easy to change your feelings and we can be maybe more sympathetic to him. There's no simplistic story in the Bible where you have good guys on God's team, the bad guys who fight against God. That is not in the Bible. If anything, you could, you could say everyone here is both victim and victimizer, right? Everyone here, we are glorious, created in the image of God, infinite value, deserving of all kinds of respect, recognition and value. And we're not, we're often mistreated and not valued the way we ought to be valued. And we often are experiencing the effects of the curse. And it's sad. And and at the same time, simultaneously, what do we do? We undervalue, don't appreciate. We take advantage, hurt other glorious image bearers of God and we contribute to the curse of creation. This is all of our story. That is a part of Genesis 27, friends, is seeing us. It's seeing us here. Okay, the story of Rebecca, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, it's our story, right? Who doesn't? Do you not have a parent that you wish would recognize and appreciate you? Do you not have someone in your field? You're like, gosh, it would be great if they just took notice of me. Don't you wish? Wouldn't it be amazing if a rich relative, you know, said, You know what? I've seen you and I'm coming. I'm gonna get all the inheritance is yours. I've seen your character, I've seen your competence, and you should be entrusted with it. Right? You can be trusted with it. Mother's Day, that that's Prayer, those words are so good. It is Mother's Day sufficient one day to make up for, it, to give the recognition to the parent tirelessly, working tirelessly, thanklessly, day after day, unseen. And then going to all the, the evening events and over and over again being asked the question, having the same bland response when you answer, so what do you do? We're seeing ourselves right here. In 27, guys, this is a, it's for the most part, these are all healthy desires. God-given desires, being an image-bearer of God. God is one, undivided, and yet he's three. He lives in community within himself. And those persons of the Trinity continually, eternally bless, recognize, defer, enjoy, appreciate the other. This is a right desire we've been given, okay? But... Well, I say that's what Jacob is. Is Jacob right to feel hurt? Of course he is. Of course he is. But what, what's the response? What do you do with that hurt? Do you take matters in your own hands like Jacob, like Isaac did, like Abraham did, like Cain did, like Adam and Eve did? Okay. This is us. Do we have a valid excuse to be disappointed? Yes, we do. Right? To do things our way instead of God's? No, we do not. But, but good news, good news. If you only had one word on what is this chapter about? What's it about? Thanks. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. We're secondary characters. We are secondary characters to the hero. Guys, I consciously misspoke earlier. I said to you, I said something like, there are no good guys and bad guys in the Bible. And I hope many of you said, well, that's not quite right. Right? Jesus was asked the question once he said, they asked him, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what is his answer? Why do you call me good? There's no one good, except for God alone, okay? There is one good guy in the Bible, right? Jesus Christ is the hero of the Bible. And these passages here are not only to show those who need that hero, they're to show who cannot be that hero. They are the counterexamples. They create that anticipation, right? And we're so confused and growing up so many Bible teachers, they go, hey, let's go, let's, read, let's study this story in the in the Bible. And look, and they read a rosy picture of someone and say, see, look, Just you just need to be faithful like David. Just be good like David. And then if you ever go read it yourself, you kind of go, actually, I don't know if I wanna be too much like David. Uh, not, in, not in a lot of ways, at least. There aren't too many good role models here. Say. One, one. And that is part of the point. So many things I was so confused about, whether it's the people and going, wow, the the good guys don't seem so good. that's what I thought I was supposed to be reading about. Or some of the other, you know, this is a footnote, but like some of the other weird stuff, these weird ceremonial laws or these sacrificial systems and stuff, they're all the same thing. They are meant to be pointers, windows, shadows, analogies, anticipation building for What God is going to do in Jesus Christ. Can I show you some in Genesis 27? Doesn't matter if you said no. Okay. I was going to do it anyways. Okay. Friends, look, and you know the story. We just read it. Friends, Jesus Christ, He is the true and He is the better firstborn Son. Colossians said He's the firstborn of all creation not in the sense that he once didn't exist and then came into existence. That's a classic misunderstanding of Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. No, it's talking about his position of authority and responsibility that he is the one whom the father sees and overflows in delight in. Remember the baptism of Jesus? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased He is the one with the position of responsibility and authority. Remember the transfiguration. This is my son. Listen to him. Jesus is the true and firstborn son. That's part of what we're supposed to be seeing parallels to here in Genesis 27. Secondly, Jesus is the true and better Rebecca. She has, a, she has a plan, there's someone she loves and she wants to ensure that he gets the blessing. So he has a plan and he executes on it, but he's better. She, she risks maybe taking on a curse. Jesus guarantees, he steps in front of a curse for us on our behalf. He's the true and better Rebecca, but not only that, he's the true and better Jacob. You gotta see, right? Like Isaac's preference of a child uh, and, and not wanting to bless one, wanting to bless the other, like that was sinful. Not so with God the Father in our our situation, right? We don't deserve a blessing. We don't deserve to be appreciated by God. We haven't pursued God. We're interested in so many things in this world, so much more than we're interested in God. We don't deserve the blessing. We deserve a curse to be cut off from the Father, to be away from that safety and security, that satisfaction. But, 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 but Jesus is the, he's the anti-Jacob. He's the opposite of Jacob. Jacob dresses himself up as the deserving one to steal a blessing. Jesus dresses himself up as the undeserving one to steal a curse, right? Galatians 3 says, Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As is written, curses everyone who's hung on a tree. Uh, On that tree, Jesus quotes Psalm 22, one. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken me, cut off from the father. Someone pointed out to me, that's the only time in the Bible that Jesus addresses God and doesn't say father. He has taken on the place of estrangement from the father, away from the blessing of the father. He is the true and better Jacob. Jacob. Fourthly, Jesus is the true and better Esau. We need some new clothes. We need a new aroma, but not of the outdoors, not of beef stew. We need one of holiness. We need one of righteousness. We need a new and pure heart. We need to be made fitting for the royal court, right? And Jesus clothes us in his righteousness, not with goat fur. How hairy must Esau have been for that to have worked, right? No, he clothes us in purity, in spotlessness. Second Corinthians talks about the, uh, the aroma of Christ that Christians carry with them wherever they go. All right? Jesus is the true and better Esau. And friends, Jesus, lastly, he is the true and he is the better Isaac. He is the one who has a blessing to offer. We didn't, I wanted to give a much longer background here of, of Genesis to really get what a blessing was and what was going on, we couldn't do it. So we missed out on Genesis 12, this pivotal promise given to Abraham that, that Abraham and his descendants would be blessed and, and through Abraham's offspring, all the families of the earth would be blessed too. Well, who is that offspring? Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets? No. The end of, I didn't read the end of the Galatians passage. He says that Christ Jesus, he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, might come to all the families of the earth. Jesus is the one, because he's the better Rebecca and the better Esau and the better Isaac, the true one, because of that, we get God who's able to look at us and say, in our modern vernacular, we would say, he's proud of us. Not in and of ourselves, not because we worked and did the things, all that we were supposed to do so that he would love us. No, we get to go to him and we get the blessing of the father. Friends, think of the people that you, most admire in this life and you wish would see you. Guys, these are healthy secondary blessings that you can enjoy if you get them and you can be disappointed if you do not. But the definition of repentance is almost, but you cannot obsess over them. You cannot think I must have that or I will not be able to live. I cannot be satisfied if I don't blank, if I don't get blank, if I don't have blank. That is the definition of an idol. The definition of repentance is saying, no, God is that the one with the blessing. The blessing is himself. Being in relationship with him is what he's offering us, and he's given it all in Jesus Christ. And those, those paths that you are working so hard down, guys, they are worn. They have been traveled by millions of humans. That career path, I want the relationship path, the ministry path. It is worn and people are shouting back, there's nothing here. There's nothing at the end of this path. At least not when you try to put your all in it. Jesus Christ is offering you himself, God himself. He knows what you were made for. He knows what is satisfying. And he says, come free. It is free. You don't have to work for it. I worked for it. I did it for you. I did the hunting, I prepared the meal. I did that. He's asking you to come and enjoy and rest in the blessing of God. because of him he will look at you and he say, "I love you. I love you. Rest in me." So I'll stop there guys. Let me pray for us.